Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Ryan Kalesi, you're joined by Yanji Denise, and this is Spotlight Hawaii. We hope you're having a great Memorial Day out there. While uh, many of you may be on a vacation or having a holiday, uh, the news does not stop and government does not stop. So we continue on today with a very popular guest on the show. That's right. Lieutenant Governor Josh Green is joining us on this Memorial Day. Of course, we want to thank and honor those who have served our country and paid the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, thank you for joining us here on what is a day that most people take off. We really do appreciate it. No problem. Let me just say uh, we want to honor all of those who served. It's, it's just extraordinary to remember their sacrifice. So uh, thanks for mentioning that. And it's great to see people remembering. We want to dive into the numbers now. Uh, the big topic, of course, of the last week and a half, so uh, roughly, has been masks. Um, now that we don't have to wear them outside, a lot of folks wondering, when do we not have to wear them inside? It's coming soon. Uh, one of the themes of our conversation today will likely be the thresholds that the governor feels comfortable with as far as policy pivots. And when we hit 60% of the full state being uh, vaccinated completely, that's will be a that'll be a milestone and then 70 percent also my guess it will be the 70 percent milestone that will be 980,000 of our citizens fully vaccinated when we will have widespread immunity immunity and i'm sure the governor will then feel comfortable dropping other mask mandates uh, so we're getting there really fast guys it's um it's something to behold we've now done officially 1,526,926 shots we need to get another 300 to 400,000 shots to get to those, thresh, those thresholds. And it's improving every day. But if I could tell people the best thing they could do to get us there, if you've been vaccinated, talk to two other people, two friends of yours who might not have been vaccinated and, and drive them over to CVS or Walgreens or Blaisdell or wherever. Um, because if you can do that, we get there faster. And I'm wondering if you can update us on how those numbers are going. Of course, when the vaccine initially came out, we saw the demand. We saw people that were waiting. And obviously, a large population of people have already had the opportunity to get vaccinated. What are those numbers looking like now as uh, now it kind of switched into more of this campaign of getting people to get the vaccine? And could we potentially be seeing some of these um, areas like the Blaisdell and Pier 2? Would those continue on or will those be shutting down, you think, sometime soon? A couple more weeks, we really can get there uh, by the end of June. If we're diligent and we do what we've been doing, which is somewhere between eight and 10,000 shots a day, by the end of June, we'll basically be there. And we were commenting earlier together that July 4th kind of becomes a, um, a literal Independence Day from this coronavirus pandemic if we, if we do our job. You know, I'm just glancing down at my notes right now. On the 24th, a week ago today, we had done 1,463,440 shots in the state. So we've done uh, 37 plus 26,000 uh, doses, 37 plus 26,000. So like uh, 62,000 or so shots in the last seven days. So if we do 8,000 shots a day at this rate, because we're now doing younger people too. Now, as you know, we've, we've started to surge into the, the 12 to 17 year olds. If we can keep that up over the next 30 days, we will go from, you know, over 1.5 million to just about 1.8 million shots, that will get us pretty darn close to that 70% of the whole state. So we need to have a vibrant June and we need those, those vaccination sites, great work from Hawaii Pacific Health, Queens, Kaiser, but we all have to get these last folks vaccinated because if we don't, it's, you know, I'm just going to speak candidly. 
after having three years with our gov, who's really steady, but very conservative, it's hard to convince him to make those changes without the analytics. And so when I was talking to Director Char to Libby this morning, we were we were definitely on the same page that we want to encourage as many people to get vaccinated. You're going to see the campaign. Hi, got vaccinated as in Hawaii got vaccinated. It's going to be creative. We're going to get into the communities even more like on a very, very micro level. And if you want to have a vaccine, um, a mobile vaccine truck delivered to your community, tell us and we will do what we can to get it there. Anything to get us to the 70 percent threshold over this next month will make all the difference. What do you think the holdup is? What ha why has the demand lessened? Are there people who are perhaps anti-vaccination? Are they vaccine apathetic? Is it that, the, that it's not delivered right to their doorstep? I mean, if you're an anti-vaxxer, it seems like it will be pretty hard to get you to take a shot, even if I bring a clinic to, or you know, a mobile unit to your condo, let's say. It's all those things, but it's a, it's a fixed percentage of people that are fully anti-vaccination. It's just not that many of the 1.4 million people it's probably like 15% total. So that's, you know, about 150,000 plus people all in. We'll never convince them. And that's okay. We're going to respect everyone and, and their belief systems. But the last groups of people are, for instance, people who just couldn't take time off work. So let me make a personal appeal as lieutenant governor to employers out there. Give people a couple hours of the day off to go get vaccinated. It will make all the difference for the economic activity for your business because we'll open up more we'll be able to let more travelers in safely you will not have to worry about them actually having sick days if they catch covid they will not have to quarantine if they are exposed i mean there's just so many reasons that was actually one of the the um, things i wanted to mention today uh, people say why get vaccinated ah, i'm okay i'm young well one of the main reasons and we're hearing this from people is if you've been vaccinated and you come into contact with a positive you don't need to quarantine period you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to change your lifestyle. You don't have to do anything. So getting vaccinated saves you that large hassle. But there are these other impediments. Uh, so if it's a time off question, please just give people the time off to go get the shot. And that includes state workers and, and all of our departments. Make sure you do that. But a few people just you know wanted it to be yes, right down the street, which is amazing. Uh, we had um, we had the experience of going to some high schools and people did vaccinations in very large numbers once we put a pod in at the school. But just across the street, we had had a pod open for two months. So it's um, it's somewhat extraordinary at times, but anything that you can do to convince a friend or a family member to get vaccinated is good. Because I have to be direct now. It just works. I mean, it does work. And we've had hundreds of millions of people who have gotten the vaccination now across the country with almost no problems. So this is the time to finish this thing off. You know, we are seeing some questions out there uh, about group size uh, and, and how many people can gather in a group uh, now that many are vaccinated. Of course, it is a long weekend. Many are out there on the beach today celebrating, in fact. Uh, and, and there seems to be this uh, conflict and, and this discussion happening of, of what is a what is the allowable group size uh, to gather if everybody's vaccinated can there be 30 people uh, in a group or is it still limited to 10 what would your recommendation be about uh, the size of gatherings for people that are fully vaccinated well i go back and double check uh what let's talk about the city and county of honolulu right now what their number is but i believe it's 10 indoors 25 outdoors and uh, mayor blangiardi wants to increase those numbers and i would agree with that if you are fully vaccinated 
you're not at risk, okay? But the large group question does remain. I did long walks uh, yesterday with Sam and today on my own out towards Ala Moana. There's a lot of people gathering, but I did not see any uh, super huge gatherings like 75 or 100 people. So that is kind of the threshold. I do know that the mayors have all submitted requests to change their gathering standards. And the gov has uh, kind of given them a little bit of a nudge and said, please give me the same standard. So they're working together on that. It's time that we have one standard for the whole state just to be easier. So that guys like you and me are not asking ourselves, did one county go to 50 and the others at 25? What's the story? Are weddings okay for 25 people, but not more? Um, so that's one thing. And I want to also reassure people, uh, we took a page out of the governor's book, which was the Hawaii Safe Travels book. And we've now put together a plan called Hawaii Safe Events so that we can move forward in the late summer and fall with really large events if people are vaccinated. I'm talking about like Blaisdell concert type events and big volleyball events. And that's getting back to celebrate the volleyball championship, which is, I know, something that you focus on, which is awesome. And, and weddings. I mean, it's kind of tough to have a wedding of 25 people. That kind of makes it look like everyone hates you. You want a lot of people at the wedding, right? So these are the things we want to have again. So I'm excited to do that. And we're, you know, we're seeing our goals and milestones track with that. That's why I mentioned earlier the 60% and 70% standard. Uh, we should be passing 60% fully vaccinated sometime between the 15th and the 20th of June, just you know, 16 or, or 20 days out at this rate. And that's a lot of extra immunity. By the way, don't forget that, unfortunately, 36,000 of our citizens got confirmed COVID and have immunity also. And there's others who caught COVID. So we have more immunity than just that vaccinated cohort. But also, we go to the next uh, standard or threshold of 70% of the whole state vaccinated. And at that point, I really don't think anyone's going to be able to say with a straight face that we could restrict groups or, or gatherings. We're getting some questions here. Summer travel season is upon us. Uh, Cheryl wants to know, how close are we to allowing residents returning home from the mainland uh, to forego a COVID test? We're getting very close. I think that's the 60% standard which is 840,000 citizens vaccinated or 1.68 million shots. And we are at 1.526 million shots. So we should be able to get there sometime mid-June. I'm hoping that that date is June 15th. And this week, we would have normally been having all these large meetings today, but today's Memorial Day. So we're gonna have them tomorrow and Wednesday. That's what we'll be pushing for. We'd like to give people some reassurance because my family, like other families, are gonna go have our family reunions and go to the mainland and. We also need to know whether or not we need to go get the uh, the test. So I'm right there with you, Cheryl. Uh, what about what are your thoughts with uh, just any changes to the neighbor island policies right now? Do you think that there will be any changes happening anytime soon that may completely lift uh, the pre-testing uh, or any sort of? We we know that there is the uh, vaccine verification in place for the neighbor island, uh, but is there any changes that you suspect will be happening for neighbor island travel happening anytime soon? I suspect that might also be the change that we see when we touch that 60% threshold of all of our state people being vaccinated. Uh, we have 51% of our total population vaccinated as of today, and we've got 58% of our total population who've had at least one shot. So all those guys in the next two to three weeks will get their second shot, right? And so then we're gonna be right at the threshold. It would be nice if we um, kind of wrapped a bow around these changes and we're able to say, people can travel from the mainland with their vaccination cards and that we don't have to worry about inter island travel. That would be a nice step. And then the final step would be we touch 70% and we let everyone travel. 
who knows? We might even get a surprise. And the gov just leaps over that one because we have so much immunity. But my my experience with Governor Ige has been he likes to be a little more on the cautious side and safe side. And though it drives me crazy, I also respect it, you know, so it um, it's OK. That's that's the way we've incrementally done well. And we passed another milestone, which was a heartbreak milestone uh, yesterday, which was our 500th fatality. But but I will tell you this, we had projected 4,479 fatalities in the first year had we not taken action. And we are way low. I mean, we're the lowest uh, death rate, lowest mortality rate in the country by a huge margin because people have really taken care to not spread COVID. So uh, notwithstanding a couple deep tragic moments in like the um, veterans home in Hilo, we've really dodged many, many bullets. And so though it would say um, a, a milestone of 500, it was a bittersweet one. And the sweetness is I had thought we would have thousands that would perish from COVID, but because the rates have been low and have remained low, we've, we've missed that um, unlike the mainland. You know, speaking of the mainland, our vaccination rate is going very well, but there are communities, uh, particularly in the southern U.S., where, you know, it's very, very low. Some counties I was reading, you know, 10 percent of people had been vaccinated uh, in parts of Louisiana. Those folks, some of them, of course, want to take a vacation. They could come to Hawaii. How do you foresee as we try to open up travel um, and, and what impact does that have uh, on our herd immunity? You know, it's just me not understanding sort of the medical terms, if you will. Uh, you know, if we have a bunch of people coming in here who may not be vaccinated or who may have COVID, how does that impact us even if after we've had our shots? Uh, great question. So a couple things. First of all, once we have herd immunity, we will be essentially safe. We will not have total protection because, as you know, we also will have our pockets of the community that don't have uh, full immunity, like the prison that we just saw. We had 61 cases yesterday in the Hilo prison, uh, a total of 72 over the course of uh, two days. It's somewhat um, concerning in that way, but we will keep in mind that some places in the country have not been vaccinated and we will keep the pretest, I'm pretty certain, in place. So if people are not vaccinated, they want to travel to Hawaii, that has been kind of an iron shield for us. That has stopped significant numbers of travelers that would be positive. But you'll be safer because most of the people on the plane will be vaccinated. So there won't be a cluster that comes from a plane trip or from a location. And our hotel workers will be protected because they not only will have been immune, but they have the benefit of herd immunity. So we can expect that there will not be spread. Also, the reason that we've seen spread has mostly been community spread. When our own people come back from Vegas or other trips and happen to have COVID, we've not seen much transmission of the disease from travelers because they kind of keep to a different um, beaten path. Not 100%, I mean, they go and they get, they get intake at the hotels, we see them at restaurants, but our people will be safe. So I'm not worried about it, but I'll personally recommend that we keep up some guard if, if parts of America don't get vaccinated and they wanna travel here. I wanna bring in another question here, uh, I believe from Annie, who's asking enforcement, uh, why do we have rules with nobody following them? We will continue to see clusters, if not enforced. And she, this is a comment that she alluded to earlier, saying that she had a neighbor that had over 100 people at her home uh, in their community uh, earlier this weekend. Uh, again, this speaks to some of the conflict that's happening within their community with those people who are very cautious and others who are just tired of uh, you know, being socially distant and they want to get out and see people. How do you uh, respond to maybe uh, Annie's comments about 
uh, these enforcements and how do we manage uh, these two different opinions in our community? Sure. Uh, well, she's she's right on the mark. I mean, there are some people that aren't responsible. Most people are. We did another survey and it was 88% of all the people of Hawaii are following the guidance, meaning you don't need to wear a mask outdoors and you, you don't need to wear masks under other circumstances if you're fully vaccinated. But there are still some people breaking rules. It's very difficult to enforce in private households or house parties and that kind of thing, which I think she's referencing. Uh, it's a lot easier to enforce. And I saw some of our police officers, and I want to thank them for working on Memorial Day out today at uh, the beach parks, reminding people when it looked like the crowds were getting close to 25, reminding people when they were uh, in among others, uh, though outdoors without a mask, when the gatherings were getting bigger, they were kind of giving people a reminder that we have to be careful. But going into people's businesses or into their homes is super hard. It's almost impossible. So it's about setting a public health standard. And sometimes we have to be firm with our neighbors. And it also will affect how much time we spend with them. If you have one neighbor who's really breaking the rules, they are jeopardizing that part of the community. All I can say is from a public health standpoint, we're looking at the large aggregate behavior of society, not really the one by one individual. That's up to us as friends and neighbors uh, to police. You know, you brought up the uh, outbreak in Hilo and there were some questions in the comments about that as well. Why are we having those kinds of outbreaks, given that that is a population, um, you know, that's, you know, you can obviously bring the vaccine to them. Why would we still have these clusters given the wide availability of the vaccine right now? Yes. Well, well the director wanted me to convey this. You know, we've gone to the prisons and I'm not blaming anyone. But we've gone to the prisons multiple times, all of the prisons multiple times to humbly ask, uh, the, the inmates and, of course, our, our staff at the prisons to be vaccinated. And I'll be straight with you, uh, some of our, uh, our public safety folks have been reluctant to get vaccinated, uh, and that's not something that I'm proud of. I think that everyone who works front-facing others, especially those who are vulnerable, must get vaccinated. That means health workers, public safety workers, prison guards, and so on. Uh, we're doing our best. The prisoners themselves are a different uh, story. Of course, they're going through a tough situation. They've made a mistake in life and they're in prison, but only somewhere between 25 and 50% of our prisoners have agreed uh, to be vaccinated. And that's why they're having outbreaks. So if we were at 60 or 70% of the prison population who had agreed to be vaccinated, you would not see this. They would actually have their own um, microcosm of herd immunity there, and it would not be happening. Let's just can I be candid with you? These are not rule followers. I mean, so you're on the one hand, you already have a, a difficult time getting some people in society, mainstream society, getting vaccinated. And when you go to the population of individuals who are incarcerated, a large percentage, not all, but a large percentage of them are very reluctant and not trusting of authority. I get it, believe me. And they're not going to get vaccinated. So they're catching COVID. So what we will do is we will provide top quality health care to the best of our ability if they get actually sick. Um, it could be done better, but it cannot be done perfectly. I would encourage all of our prison guards and all of our prisoners, and they're probably not watching us on Spotlight right now, but please, family members of those who you love who are in prison, please encourage them to take at least the Johnson Johnson shot or the Pfizer or Moderna because they'll be safer if they do. You know, as a state agency, uh, of course, do you foresee a time where the state could require uh, th those workers, those prison guards, those who work in uh, PSG, 
uh, to get the vaccine? Do you think that might uh, it might get to a point where uh, the state will step in and make that a mandatory uh, thing for all those who front facing workers, as you say, who are coming into contact with those that might be uh, positive for COVID? Well, here's how I would handle it. I, I don't personally believe, and this may come as a surprise to you guys as friends, but I don't personally believe in mandating vaccines. I think you do a better job to convince people with the science and just a good conversation. Here, however, uh, lies the problem. You are morally obligated if you're going to be front-facing patients in a hospital or individuals who are incarcerated in prison, if you're their prison guards, you're morally obligated to keep them safe. So my recommendation is and has been behind the scenes, anyone who is going to be front-facing individuals needs to be fully vaccinated. We don't have to mandate it. If you choose not to, we have to find another role for you at the prison or in the hospital or in the clinic that's administrative and not front-facing those vulnerable people until you're, re until you're willing to be vaccinated or until society has become fully immune. That's probably a better approach. I found that through reason and good conversation, we can get most people vaccinated. But if I have a physician colleague or a nurse that's just refusing to be vaccinated, then I, I'm telling them now, please, you should not be seeing patients. You should just be doing support work because it's just not fair. There are people out there who either one are philosophically against getting vaccinated or have a health problem and cannot get vaccinated and they deserve protection too. And they're counting on us to protect them. So we, we can't be the ones who spread the virus to them. That, that's how I'd approach it. You know, Dr. Char joined us last week, and one of the things we talked about were these COVID breakthrough cases. The state has not seen very many of them, given how many vaccinations have been done. She said, I, think it was, I believe it was 110 by her count. But one thing that she mentioned was that they had stopped counting the people who had gotten uh, po tested positive for COVID who had only had one shot. Are you seeing enough people actually go back for that second shot? And are you worried that some people are just getting the one shot and thinking that they're safe enough? I'm not too worried about that. I, it is very good, the one shot. You're getting over 80% immunity, but go get the second shot because then you're locked in. Then it's over 95% protection and the severity of disease is so, so minimal. If you're one of the very unlucky people that still catches a mild case of COVID, you want to have that second shot. But I'm not worried. Some states had a higher percentage uh, of people not coming back. We have not really seen that as a major problem. We have now over 80% of all of our adults having had at least one shot. And that's a kind of a great thing. As we get down to lower ages, that number is going to surge to, you know, beyond what any other state can do, except I think maybe Vermont. Vermont may also be able to match us. But it's pretty good. You know, one thing that you can point to, though, is that in communities where there were outbreaks, like Molokai had a recent outbreak, right? And that's one of my very favorite places in the world. Just the best people are there. But those who did not get vaccinated got slammed and overrun immediately by COVID. But a good solid percentage of the people in Molokai had been vaccinated. They walked right through it, like walking right through a fire and didn't, didn't get one lick of a burn, or in this case, COVID. It was amazing. They were absolutely protected. So it was a good thing. And I'll reiterate, they didn't have to go in quarantine for 10 days because they were, you know, vaccinated. The others now had to go and lock down their lives. So there's just too many reasons to get vaccinated with, you know, with very little risk. I, I would do it. 
I want to go back to ask you a little bit about what you had mentioned earlier in that uh, safe events, I think you called it, it, for looking at how do you reopen uh, these venues and these opportunities for people to gather in large numbers. What exactly uh, would that look like? Would that require um, you know, a verification before entering a venue or would that require some testing to happen on each of these sites? What do you predict that looks like in the future months to come for us uh, here in the state? What I think it basically looks like is uh, meeting the standards, meeting these thresholds of 60 and then 70 percent, which will allow us to have large venues and then really large venues open up when we when we meet 60 percent and 70 percent respectively. It also will be essentially a social contract between people and those who um, have decided to host large events where we will ask humbly that everyone do err on the side of being vaccinated or tested 72 hours before. It's not going to be mandated, I don't believe, and that's not what we put in the proposal. That's the benefit of having these thresholds and knowing how much protection we have society-wide. But if you're going to go to a concert and let's say you just are not vaccinated, we will encourage you to get tested right beforehand. And people will still be asked to wear masks until until the governor lifts the you know all of the you know all of the mask mandates and the other restrictions uh, here deeper in the pandemic, which again is probably around 70 percent which I'm guessing is gonna be mid-July. This means that events should be able to take place in September, October, November, December, whether it's World Wrestling Federation or volleyball or um, Mariah Carey or bands that I love from the old days. I mean, it really should be doable because we're gonna have widespread immunity, but it's the immunity that really drives this policy. And we're getting, I think, clarification because we need to know Number one, again, do we have low rates of COVID? We're down to 764 active cases in the state. That means only 50 people will likely be hospitalized in the next three weeks. You can see these numbers come down, down, down. That means we'll be fine to have events. Also, if you have a concert where we've already got 70% of society vaccinated and the case counts are in the 20s, the probability of anyone who attends that concert being COVID positive is so low, you start asking yourselves why we do have restrictions. But if we're going to put several thousand people together yelling because some awesome musician is up there, probably we should be a little careful. Well, another area of large gatherings, of course, is school. I know that we're getting to the top of the hour, but I did want to ask you, you know, those under 12 can't get vaccinated yet. Um, we know that that is coming, but it is months away. So when kids go back to school in the fall, uh, presuming that there is large in-person school, will they all be wearing masks? Assuming that most of the adults that they're around um, will have been vaccinated. But what, what do we do about these kids who are too young uh, to, to have that protection? Good question. So I think what will likely happen will be they're going to have to make this final determination, but individuals who are vaccinated uh, and that will be mostly the 12 to so the adolescents, middle school and high, high school kids, uh, they will not have significant concern or risk because the immunity will be there. So when they're out together, gathered publicly, we'll probably ask them to toss their masks back on and young ones will probably ask them to wear their masks until they're vaccinated. Once, however, society has reached kind of full herd immunity and our case counts are, you know, down in the teens per day or even back down to single digits like they were last May and June. If we track at that rate, I'm almost certain we'll be able to jettison all of the uh, restrictions that exist in the state. And that probably will come similarly uh, when the calendar comes around for our kids to go back to school in August. It's really likely. Uh, I would not turn our back on masks though yet. 
for a couple reasons. One, we had no flu, like no flu at all, no colds at all, practically statewide. That saved a lot of uh, lost work, saved some lives. It was really good. And it's not too large of an imposition to ask kids to wear masks if they're really close to one another. I think they do pretty well. We'll definitely emphasize to parents, don't send your kid to school if they've got a fever or if they have a runny nose or they have any possible symptoms for COVID because we won't want outbreaks. But kids have been pretty fine. I mean, they've not been too sick. So expect that to be kind of the end game as far as going back to normal when you can start tossing the masks in a drawer and hopefully leave them there forever. Uh, our time always goes so quickly when you're on our show. It's hard to believe we're already out of time, but we did want to provide you uh, just some final words here on this Memorial Day as people continue to go out and gather. And as we look forward to more uh, lifting of these restrictions, uh, your final message maybe to those viewers tuning in today. Sure. A couple things. First, let's do the easy one, COVID. If you're uh, vaccinated, talk to two of your friends and ask them to be vaccinated also. The faster we get to 60% of our society, which is 840,000 people, and then 70% of our society, which is 980,000 people, the faster I'll be able to convince the governor and everyone else to really get rid of all the restrictions. So that's the one thing. Please vaccinate uh, and, and make that decision. Uh, and then second, just um, please accept my heartfelt uh, respect and love to families who lost loved ones uh, in battle in the course of their service. A dear friend, John Golner, who we lost a couple of years ago after years of service in the Marines, special respect to uh, General Har and his team and everyone who served. It's really a critical part of America. So thank you everyone for remembering those people and um, give them a fist bump uh, when you see them. But anyway, we're doing great as a state and on Memorial Day, uh, it's, it's exciting to think about things coming back to normal. Okay, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green, thanks so much for spending your Memorial Day with us and our viewers and answering uh, some of these questions and give us an update on where we're at as a state. We thank you. Aloha. Take care. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, Ryan, really interesting to hear. It just feels like we're so close to those thresholds that he's talking about and the idea that we could go out uh, and not only be outside, but perhaps be indoors uh, with no masks is, is something that's sort of hard to even envision, but it does sound like it's just around the corner if those vaccinations keep pace. Yeah, and you heard him saying that they will be doing a much more creative things with a campaign that will be coming out. We talked a little bit about this with Dr. Char last week as well, where the state is really going to be making an effort uh, on the campaign front to get those who have not yet gotten uh, a vaccine shot yet uh, the opportunity to do so and finding new ways and measures to entice people to do so, getting out into the community. So we look forward to seeing that happen over the next few weeks. Uh, also talking about what the future of large events looks like here in Hawaii with the possibility of some sort of incorporation of what is being followed with a safe travels program, but something similar being adopted to hosting larger events down the line, how that will be managed and how people will have the opportunity to once again be in an environment with many other people who have been vaccinated. Yeah, and on that same, uh, you know, that same front, looking at safe travels and thinking about, he said, perhaps as early as mid-June, we could see folks from the mainland being able to come here with vaccine verification, uh, Hawaii residents being able to return so that you could take your summer vacation and if you're vaccinated, not have to deal with the humbug of finding a pharmacy and getting that within 72 hours and all of that. We know that people have put some plans on hold because they can't necessarily feel like they can guarantee that. So that would be uh, a big change there. So I'll always very 
great to hear from the Lieutenant Governor. Um, and we see a lot of your questions here, a, a bunch of them on tourism. We definitely want to talk about that. We have a great lineup coming up. Of course, June is coming up and uh, tourism is one of our big focuses as well. Uh, on Wednesday, though, this week, we're going to be talking to Dr. Melinda Ashton from Hawaii Pacific Health. We'll be talking to her about the safety uh, and efficacy of the vaccine, particularly in children. Uh, you know, we know that there are parents who are concerned with the 12 and up and also when we could possibly see those uh, over five having access. And we're also going to talk to you about those who have uh, struggled through COVID-19 and uh, are being deemed the long haulers, those who are still seeing symptoms, uh, what they're seeing in the hospitals, what their doctors are doing to care for those who continue to face some of the symptoms, uh, some of the ailments, I should say, of COVID-19. Uh, we know that uh, a notable figure, uh, Senator Kalani English, of course, stepping down from his role in the Hawaii State Senate because of this long haul um, long haul. Uh, of effects that he feels because of COVID-19. So we're going to be talking to Josh, Dr. Ashton uh, about all those issues, as well as an update with what they're seeing on the vaccine front from Hawaii Pacific Health. Yeah, so we wish you a happy and safe Memorial Day. Again, echoing the comments of the Lieutenant Governor, we want to mahalo all those who have served our country and, of course, uh, pay homage to those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. We'll see you right back here on Wednesday at 1030. Aloha.